Welcome to the Give to Profit podcast, the podcast that inspires business owners, entrepreneurs and leaders to turn their business into a profitable force for good. During our bi-weekly episodes, you'll hear how founders and leaders put charitable giving and social impact at the heart of their business and the many benefits that come from doing this. We also interview leaders of causes, charities and agencies who are leading the way in how they partner with micro and SME businesses. You can find full show notes for today's show and join our membership community at givetoprofit.com. This is where you can also sign up to receive regular tips and updates about events worth checking out, including the Give to Profit Business for Good conference we're hosting in Edinburgh in April 2019. So now here's your host, TEDx speaker, author and business mentor, Alison McKenzie. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Give to Profit podcast show. This is your host, Alison McKenzie, and as always, I'm delighted to be here with you again today. Thanks for tuning in. And today, I'm really excited to be interviewing someone I've learned a lot from over the last few years. It's Daniel Priestley, who is the one of the co-founders of Dent Global, which runs a nine-month growth accelerator program for small businesses working with over 500 entrepreneurs each year to help them develop their business businesses. Now, Daniel started out as an entrepreneur at the age of 21 and built a multi-million dollar event marketing and management business before the age of 25, which I just think is incredible. He's a successful entrepreneur, international speaker and best-selling author of four books. Daniel has built and sold businesses in Australia, Singapore and the UK, and he's also raised helped raise over a hundred thousand dollars for charity each year which is just as all my listeners will know it's just just it brings joy to my heart um and i can't remember how i first heard of daniel but i have read really thoroughly two of them and flipped through the another two i think they're absolutely fantastic my clients will know all about them because i'm raving about them all the time and i was fortunate enough to see him speak at a conference last summer and we recently had a strategy session with him a couple of months ago so welcome daniel it's great to have you on the show well thank you very much for having me on the show i appreciate it Oh, thank you. Now, I like to always start these shows off by just giving my guests the opportunity to share a little bit about their story. So I'd love for you to share how you've come to be who you are today, doing what you're doing today. Oh, okay. So um, I think I've had an entrepreneur spark in me from a very young age. Um, I apparently was, uh, uh, you know, asking those entrepreneurial type questions as a little kid. Um, and I think I ran my very first garage sale at about age 10, um, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which is quite extraordinary. Um, I was selling flowers door to door and washing people's cars and, um, raising, actually doing a lot of fundraising as well. I did fundraising for our scout, um, local scout hall and fundraising for the school, uh, and all of that through teenage years. And then when I was uh, 19 to 21, I worked in a very fast growth startup and I learned so much about how businesses grow very rapidly and what to do, what not to do, some of the things that are a lot of fun and some of the things that are painful. Um, uh, and then, yeah, as you mentioned in your introduction, at 21, I started my own company and uh, it grew very, very rapidly. It was, uh, it was a multi, multi-million dollar business within just a few years. Um, so it was, uh, it was a very fast growth uh, business in Australia. Uh, I exited that business and then came to the UK in 2006, 12 years ago. Uh, and launched um, a training company, which eventually emerged, uh, uh, sort of 
morphed into a um, accelerator business, which now runs all over the world. Incredible. And so, I mean, that, you know, to have started off so young, where do you think that spark, you know, that entrepreneurial spark came from at that, you know? Well, uh, well it's funny you use the word spark, actually, because we had um, a kitchen fire in the house, <gasps> uh, which was, um, which, which kind of leapt up onto the curtains and, and uh, burnt the roof and all this sort of stuff. And it actually filled the house full of smoke. And um, and everyone was fine, but uh, but all the you know all the kitchen was damaged, and all the living room uh, you know stuff was damaged, photo frames and all of those sort of things. And it was covered by insurance, so you know at one point mum and dad were going to just throw it away because all the new stuff was arriving. And um, and I I threw a big tantrum and said no 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 I really <laughs> want to sell I want to sell it I want to sell it and make money. So <laughs> so it became my responsibility. You know I had one week. To clean it all and to put on a garage sale and um, and to do it. And I think it was that it was that kind of experience. I actually remember quite vividly what it was like running a garage sale um, as a as a you know ten year old boy and having people come and ask me the prices of things and um, basically having people come and try and negotiate with me on different objects. And um, I also went to all the neighbours and asked them if they wanted to put things in the garage sale. I don't know where I got the idea from. But, you know, I, I just automatically knew that we were going to do a 50-50 deal. So you keep half and I'll keep half and you can mm. put things into my garage sale. Goodness knows where that came from. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but uh, yeah, I was, obviously, uh, I was obviously really pumped and excited about this whole idea um, at age 10. You know, it's funny hearing you hearing you speak. It's 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 actually reminding me of a conversation I've had recently. I, I, you know, I know what just before we started the interview, we talked about how I'm raising funds to build a school in Cambodia, and one of my neighbours who runs their own business has two young girls, and they have just they've decided that they, they're 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 going to be part of this, a part of the team. They're going to be helping to raise the funds and come out to Cambodia. But the conversations I'm having with these these little girls is incredible because maybe maybe it's just part of who we are when we're younger we have all this creativity and willingness to go off and just play and explore and test things out that we maybe um we stop doing maybe some of us when we're older well this is true and you know and it's actually a really great lesson for for people when they um when they grow up quote unquote you know grow up come back down to to earth but um, there's a lot of evidence that shows that uh, entrepreneurship happens in the visionary part of the brain. So, um, you know, entrepreneurs are often described as being visionary people. Um, and it's actually a physio physiological phenomenon that you see in people's brains um, when they do brain scans. The part of the brain that does imagining and visual processing, the neocortex of the brain, the very powerful part of the brain, but... Um, uh, is uh, is the part that kind of does strategy and does um, you know uh, organizing teams and having powerful conversations and pitching all of that happens in that visionary part of the brain and um, when we get older we actually move most of our life down into the functional part of the brain which is the you know the big mammalian brain which is all about just doing what you you've been trained to do so the older you get the more likely you are to kind of get set in your ways and um, and, and just kind of, you know, kind of just do what you've always done. And um, it's, it's fascinating because a lot of the world's most innovative people uh, had major innovations in their 20s. Um, so, you know, George Lucas created Star Wars at a very young age and um, uh, Einstein wrote The Theory of Relativity when he was 26 years old. 
So you know, there's this, um, there's this, there's some, a lot to be said for not being encumbered with the day-to-day baggage of of just going monkey brain on things. Yeah, and and one of you in, in key person of influence, I think I remember you talking about, and I'm wondering if this is what you're talking about as well that you know, that one of the things that's important for us to connect into to be successful is that vitality, that 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 mm. life force within us, if you like, rather than focusing, you know, obviously the functionality piece is important and that business savvy and, and doing what we're doing. Actually, what's what's almost more important is our ability to really tap into and to connect into that life vitality. Yeah, so um, essentially when I look at uh, the successful people versus the ones who get stuck, the, the thing that gets people stuck is they get caught in functionality. So sales, marketing, admin management, operations, um, you know, technical delivery, all of those kind of things, which are not very scalable. They're very um, one-to-one or you know, one project at a time. Um, and that visionary is that ability or the vitality is the ability to just focus on the outcome and to say, you know what, if the outcome requires 10 PhDs, well, rather than going off and getting a PhD, I'll just go and, uh, I'll go and find some who already, people already have a PhD and get them to work on this project with me. Um, you know, if the outcome requires technology, I'll find someone who's making the technology and we'll get them involved. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, rather, than, rather than being caught up in the idea that, you know, the idea that school teaches us is, is if we, in order to be brilliant, you have to do everything yourself. Um, you know, so if, in fact, if you don't do everything yourself in school, that's called cheating. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. So they try yeah. this wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and vitality is about saying, hey, look, it's not about me. It's about the outcome. It's about the result. And I'm just going to be the organizing force behind this. I'm just going to, um, you know, make stuff happen in the world. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love it. And I love how you've brought to life what I've read in the book. I think that's, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, it, it's one of the things I think that sets you apart from other global leaders who are teaching, you know, entrepreneurs on how to be successful, which there are many. But without a doubt, it's, I think what, I'm, what, what I've seen, what I've read, what I'm hearing now is not only is it the, your track record in terms of being able to build highly profitable businesses um, and having done that a number of times in different countries around the world and from an early age, but it's this mixture of technical business savvy. So, I mean, I really, you know, I really appreciated the talk you did on 24 Assets at B1G1 Conference, you know, where it was really getting into the detail and the technical piece I, I thought of of running a business which was you know and scaling a business but then yep. you also have this real compassion and humility and others in your position you know there's lots there are other people out there but so many other people seem to step into this place of ego whereas well, that's some something I don't see I'm, in you well some people say I'm the most humble person in the yeah. world you know I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely if there was a competition I'd, I'd win it I'm just kidding I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just being an idiot <laughs> Yeah, but you know, and I think that is, uh, you know, it feeds into the point I've just said, doesn't it? Which is, you know, um, but I mean, wh- what other traits would you say are important for entrepreneurs to, you know, to be successful and to be the people that they would love to be and have the impact they want to have? Well, a huge cornerstone skill that is talked about so often and yet is so poorly understood and so poorly executed is the power of pitching. Um, Every great entrepreneur is a masterful pitching wizard. Um, you know, they pitch ideas into reality. They 
they make it seem possible that we're going to go to Mars or that we're going to, you know, power cars with electricity or that, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, have a rock star airline or, you know, whatever it is that they're going to be doing, that they, we're going to put a computer in everybody's pocket. So um, it's that it's that ability to pitch an audacious idea and make it seem grounded in reality and that it could actually happen and that people should dedicate their time and energy and resources to making it happen. And um, so few entrepreneurs uh, or, you know, business leaders or business owners just take the time to really understand what power their words could be having if only they would step into the shoes of someone who's, who's great at pitching. Um, so pitching, pitching is that cornerstone skill. We speak things into existence. That's how it works as entrepreneurs. I love that. We speak things into existence. Wow. Um, and I mean, I know that you are a great advocate of supporting charities and social causes. Why is that aspect important too? The, um, so there's several reasons for that. And I think probably the most is that, um, you realize pretty quickly that if you're in business, the success of your business depends upon the success of society. So, so you can't have a successful business. And, and a lot of entrepreneurs actually figured this out a long time ago. So, um, you know, Henry Ford, for example, decided that he wanted to pay his workers more um, than, than necessary because he realized that if uh, he didn't uh, pay his workers properly, then, you know, essentially that would create a, a society where people couldn't afford to buy a car, which wasn't good for his business. Um, so, you know, we, we, you know, as business owners and individuals, we're also in relationship to our society. We're in relationship to the world and we're in relationship to the planet. And, and essentially, if we forget that, then, you know, we're, we're taking ourselves off track. So we, we need to bake that into the DNA of the business, that essentially the DNA of the business is we are in relationship to the world um, out there. And, um, and uh, you know, so there's, there's the idea that, 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 that that's one of the key ideas. The second key idea is that as business owners, we have tremendous power and influence to, uh, to raise money and to actually channel things towards good causes and to, to, you know, to use the networks that we have and to use the products that we have and to use the decision-making powers that we have in order to pretty effortlessly um, make a positive impact in the world and do, do good things in the world. Um, uh, and then, you know, the final one is really kind of, there's even selfish reasons to do it, which is that when you have an organisation that's doing great work and giving and, and all of that sort of stuff, um, you attract better team members, you attract, you know, you build a brand more quickly. Um, you, you know, your clients become more raving fans for what you do, or you give them a really great reason to be a raving fan of what you do. Um, when you make a mistake, uh, sometimes people go, oh, you know what, fundamentally, this is a good organization. Let's, you know, let's forgive and move on. Um, you know, so... <laughs> So there's a lot of really great reasons that, you know, that um, there are even, you know, those kind of very much uh, commercial reasons to, to be an organisation that, uh, that does great giving work in the community. Yeah, definitely. And I can relate to so much of what I've heard you talk about there. I know one of the things that you talk to your clients about to the UN Global Goals, are there any particular goals that resonate with you? Yeah, well, um, well, the United Nations Global Goals, it's brilliant because straight away you've got a framework for, you know, what to be passionate about and where to give. 
Um, you know, the United Nations has already done the thinking about what the world needs and they've codified it into 17 goals. Um, and I really encourage people to find a goal that fits with their business and their brand. So for us, quality education is a really great fit for our business and brand and also a passion of mine. Um, you know, I have a personal passion for life below the sea and, and life mm. on the oceans. Um, you know, so, uh, so essentially, you know, but the, the, I suppose the greatest thing that we've done you know, that I'm most proud of is that we've gotten thousands of businesses to connect with the United Nations global goal and to do something in the direction of that UN goal. Uh, so I, you know, I'm totally blown away by the thousands of clients who are out there now doing things um, that, uh, that relate to those UN global goals. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a great framework and I would encourage everyone to, to look at it, to pick one and go with it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I just think it, it's fantastic. And I know I've talk, we've talked about it in a couple of the other podcast shows. In fact, I've I think so, coming I've up on it. So many people, so mm. many people are like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? You know, I've got to find my purpose in life. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really, really easy. Your purpose in life is to help other people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Really simple, right? And, and it's really, really simple uh, as far as what to do. There's 17 global goals pick one, uh, find something that relates to it on, on the buy one, give one website, start, start doing something, you know, there's nothing more, there's not, you know, you know, there's nothing more annoying for the person who's searching and everyone around them. You know, that, that person who's kind of on the searching for my purpose quest. It's like, actually, let's just jump straight to the answer. It's not that hard. Yeah, and you know it's 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 absolutely right. That's what that's where the UN Global Goals give incredible. Um, it, it, they are an incredible framework. And actually, I found as well, even though I'd been doing chat, you know, incorporating charitable giving into my business for years and years, what it did was that helped me see there was a common thread to the type of um, causes and problems that I that I actually step into action to support. I realised there was right. a difference between those I'm interested in and those that compel me into action. And that's, uh, yeah, they're, they're great. And, you know, knowing you're a member of G1, B1G1, which we, we both are, I wasn't surprised to discover that when I, when I, um, when I spoke to you, one, of, one of the people in your team that I was asked to make a donation to a cause that, that you support prior to booking a strategy session with you, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. You know, they are the kind of strategy sessions that some other people would do for free. But actually what I loved was that you making that request was actually a commitment on my part, but actually it helped me feel that I was there was there was a, another shared value I suppose with 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 you and and the and, and your organization before I'd actually even come to see you um, yeah and, and the cool thing is is that those little donations they really add up yeah. so because because yeah. we we might interview a thousand people a year globally um, and if everyone's putting 20 pounds in uh, for a strategy session you know, immediately we've got you know 20,000 pounds of fundraising just just by doing what we what we do yeah. And so in what other what other strategies do you use for, you know, in terms of t to have impact through your business? So we often do buy one, give one for our clients. So, we're, you know, with each client who comes on board and works with us, um, we do a buy one, give one, uh, you know, for different schools around the world. Um, that's That's been a great strategy. Some of the events that we run, we ticket the event um, for a charitable cause. The other thing that's been um, really powerful is using our networks to 
uh, sorry, using what we do to actually support various charities, so um, or not for profits. So, for example, we actually run accelerators all over the world. So we get the CEOs of companies who run um, not for profits, and we put them onto our accelerators. Um, and uh, you know, we have all these fabulous, amazing not for profit businesses that uh, essentially go through our programs free of charge, um, and and come out the other end thinking a lot more like a successful business um as well even though they're a not-for-profit so they you know they they ramp it up really quickly um one of the one of the clients who's just you know on the program at the moment has created their their not-for-profit is a technology company that creates uh, a virtual world for children who have lost a parent um to go in and experience grief wow. and healing um inside a virtual world so it's a computer game for exploring uh, the loss of a parent and um phenomenal success like it's it's all based on the best academic research it gamifies the whole healing process and for teenagers who don't want to talk to an adult about what they're going through um you know they uh, they can go into this game and and experience um uh, you know experience a, a healing breakthrough um and it's a, it's an interesting one because the cost benefit to the nhs and the cost benefit to society of having people, you know, deal with their grief very quickly, uh, is actually there's there's quantifiable, monetizable benefits for society in in doing that. And um, anyway, what we've been able to do is pitch it more effectively and productize it, and um, you know, raise its profile. All of those sorts of things uh, are examples. You know, uh, that's a not-for-profit who comes through our accelerator program. Um, and the other thing we've we've been able to do is you know when charities that we respect and admire from around the world want to launch in the uk you know we have the resources to give them an amazing launch event um so recently we did a launch event for charity water um one of my favorite uh charitable founders is back with scott harrison who's built charity water into a 50 million dollar a year um charity uh, providing wells all throughout the developing world to people who have to walk more than five miles a day in order to get clean water. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's taken over 7 million people out of water poverty. Um, and, um, yeah, so we, you know, we ran a, a launch event here in the UK. Uh, that launch event has already led to hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of donations. But also, um, one of the partnerships I just heard about yesterday is a gin distillery that was in the room and um you know they bottle you know, many many hundreds of thousands of bottles of gin each year and they've decided to package in a donation to charity water for every bottle of gin that they're um distilling so yeah. um you know so you know those types of things um you know for us it's like you know the the creation of a bit of a domino effect using our using our resources and using our networks to to have a um you know, to to spark something. You know, that those are those are the best types of ways that I love um, working. And then the other one too, we've introduced uh, thousands of people to buy one give one uh, with Paul Dunn. Um, yeah. You know, putting him in front of thousands and thousands of people, and um, and he's obviously had a huge. Uh, you know, the, the the that's been returned many times over with what he you know he him talking about us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. just so many great ways that you can do it as a business. None of the ways that I've just mentioned have really cost us anything in terms of, um, in terms of you know, when we put on an event uh, for Charity Water, you know, 150 people show up. Uh, we actually walked through Charity Water's business strategy and why it's brilliant, 
and um, everyone went, oh, wow, I loved your analysis of the business strategy. And, um, you know, I'd love to talk to you about our business. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, so we just can't, you know, for us, we just can't lose doing these things. We, we, we have an amazing impact and people discover what we do. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's funny because what I'm hearing, you know, in a lot of the different examples that you shared there is, you know, the benefits of when we partner with with causes and actually one of the things that I oh I, I keep talking about and I'm on a bit I get on a bit of a high horse about is the, you know that there's no to me there's no need for businesses charities social enterprises and other not-for-profits to be operating in separate silos why can't we come together and partner for the greater good of all and that's what I'm hearing and what you're doing is it's more it's because when I sometimes when I talk about you know growing our business by supporting charities and social causes, people think it's more just the philanthropic piece. But to me, what's actually really really important are these strong collaborative partnerships where we can explore and be creative and innovative working together. Yeah. So um, this is the thing: the partnering partnering is the key here. Um, you know, I'll give you a silly example, really silly. Uh, I was I, it was a busy day. And I got a knock on the door. I went to the front door and these two guys, you know, who were paid to raise money for guide dogs for the blind, you know, they bang on the door and they say, Hey, you know, we're, you know, just a minute of your time. We just want to do this. We want to tell you about this raffle that we're doing. And it's a, you know, subscription to guide dogs for the blind. And, um, you know, and you, you need to do this. And, and it's like, you know, and this is a cause that I'm, you know, quite happy to support. You know, I've got friends of mine who are beneficiaries of having guide dogs. Um, so I, I just sort of, oh, okay, uh, yeah, fine, sign me up. And um, anyway, so I, I, something like a £5 a month recurring fee uh, that goes goes out of my account every month. And it's funny, I look at, I look at that giving every month because I see it on my credit card statement. And I've not cancelled it or anything, but I, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Um, it just feels like, you know, five pound a month that just goes out and I don't care. It's five pound a month, but, but it just doesn't feel like it's a partnership in any way. It's, or, or it's just kind of just random giving. Whereas when we raise hundreds of thousands of pounds and we're in partnership with the organization and they understand our goals and we understand their goals and we've, you know, really thought it through and we really make it work and it actually feels like a partnership, you know, it's, it's one of, it, it just has a completely different feel to it and it's sustainable and it feels um, it actually feels uh, like we're all in this together as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, sort of some clever little subscription thing that someone signed me up to, which it turns out when you look into it, you know, something like the first five payments go towards paying the commission to the, the sales guys and then the next five payments go towards paying the commission to the marketing company. Mm. And, then, um, and then, you know, so you've got to actually make something like 12 payments before uh before actually any of it hits the guide docs um yeah. so it just doesn't it's, it's funny it's the difference between um it's the difference between being in partnership versus just trying to give yeah and when we're in partnership it doesn't i i tend to find you know it it's it, it help it evokes feel emotion in us it feels less transactional doesn't it and actually we want to be part of the journey of the people we're supporting yeah, that's the word transactional. It doesn't feel transactional. It feels it feels like you're you you're working on something together. It's you know that's that's actually the key difference. I think you've nailed it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'd, I'd love, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I've, I've touched on the fact that you've got these books and we'll list all the books in, in the show notes for everybody that's listening. But the one, the one, the one that's re- that I suppose I've really implemented more than any of the others just because of the stage I'm at in business was Key Person of Influence. Um, and I mean, I, I read that. And even though I knew some of the stuff there, I went through that. I mean, honestly, anybody listening to this who keeps their books precious just just cover your ears <laughs> because my, the book is, is you know all the pages so many pages are sort of the corners turned over and I've written all over it um but actually more than that I actually then spent a whole week creating literally going through almost every single exercise you had in that book and I, ha- I now have the most amazing business plan I've ever had for my business which I'm full of gratitude to you for um but I wonder if you could just very briefly just talk through because I mean I do see that being a you know when we can step into being that person of influence that is one of the greatest ways we can have more impact in the world so you've you've mentioned you know pitching as being one of the one of the skills that you talk about but you actually take people through a, a, st- a stage of it's uh, five different skills do you want to just run through the other ones as yeah, well so the five the five skills the first one is pitching which i mentioned the second one is publishing and publishing is kind of an extension of pitching um we live in a world where if you put something online people can discover it from wherever they are in the world on their phone on a bus in the back of a taxi um you know so we live in this world where if you publish it people can find it um and yet so few business owners publish very much stuff they might do the occasional blog um but they you know Really, it's when you start publishing books and podcasts and videos and slide decks and all these kind of things that things really take off. Um, so, you know, so publishing is an incredibly powerful part of um, of being a key person of influence. Almost everyone that we've helped them to publish a book has said, you know, why on earth didn't I do this sooner? It positions me as an authority. Um, it gets me speaking gigs. Um, people read the book and then they want to do business with us. I can give them away. It's the world's best business card. No one ever throws a book away. So <laughs> all of those, for those reasons, you know, just publishing is just a brilliant thing to do. Uh, the third one is productization. So, you know, the business revolves around product. Uh, essentially, um, you know, the, the quality of your product ultimately determines what people spend and how often and where, you know, how many clients you can have. Most most people in business are selling time for money. They're caught in the trap of just simply it's them having to deliver. Um, you know, a, a new client means new pressure on their shoulders. So, you know, for a lot of businesses, if I said, I want to sign you up to 100 new clients who want to work with you, they say, well, I can't possibly deal with an influx of 100 clients right this minute, which means that you're not productized. Um, so that's that's the key question. You know, can I dump 100 can I dump 100 clients on you tomorrow? And if you get excited by that, then you're well productized. If you get uh, freaked out by that, then you're <laughs> selling, selling time for money. Um, so uh, the the fourth one is profile, which is just being known for what you do and you know being being damn good at what you do, and other people know it. Um, and uh, the fifth one is partnerships, and actually finding you know brand partnerships and distribution partnerships and affiliate partnerships and um, all of that. And essentially, if you put all five of those in place, uh, pitch, publish, product, profile, partnership, what you do is you position yourself as a key person of influence. That very quickly leads to uh, a lot more income because uh, the top five to 10% of every industry are earning exponentially more than the rest of the industry. So, you know, someone who's in the top 1% of earners in uh, the country 
is um, is earning close to the average wage every six weeks. Um, you know, once you once you hit the once you hit the top you know top uh, brackets. Um, so in the top one percent, you know, people are earning quarter of a million pounds plus, and the average wage is about uh, two hundred, uh, so twenty four thousand a year. Um, you know, so you, you know, it's quite quite regularly that we see our clients kind of jump from fifty, sixty thousand a year in personal income, um, being in the top, you know, fifteen percent of what they do, uh, and then suddenly they get themselves in the top ten to five percent of what they do, and their income you know, doubles, triples, quadruples. Um, so that's you know that's the kind of you know really powerful impact of that. Yeah, yeah, incredible. And for anybody listening to this, honestly, read. Go and get the book. If you haven't got the book, just go and get the book. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, and goes through a lot of this in a lot more detail. So thoroughly recommend the book. Um, it's certainly helping and, and some of the people that maybe know me better will probably see that there there's definitely a lot more happening in the way that I'm stepping out more to raise the pro you know raise my profile and do that kind of thing now which is um thanks to really um a number of things but the book has been a massive massive um influence on how I'm taking my business forward now now with with all these different things going on you know you're running your business there's the marketing side of things and there's the you know impact how do you get that how do you strike that right balance between you know when you're growing a successful business between you know between focusing on impact the financials the product development the marketing so for me it's about um creating a scalable model um, and a scalable model, one of the best ways to strike the balance is to um, work with buy one, give one. So buy one, give one essentially helps you to discover what would be a really appropriate um, giving donation per product that you offer. So let's say, you know, you're a consultant and a typical um, consulting package is £10,000. Buy one, give one might say, okay, for £250 or £350, we can actually um, help provide schooling um, resources to a student in um, in Malawi or something along those lines. You know, we can help put someone through school for two fifty, three fifty, you know, pounds. So out of a ten thousand pound consulting package, there's a couple of hundred pounds that actually goes directly to that school. And what's cool about that is that on day one, you, let's say you start the business from scratch, and you just decide that that's how you're going to run the business. You know, day one, you make one consulting sale. Well, great. You you know you put one person through a schooling for the year. Um, you know, fast forward three or four years, and you're doing one a month. You know, fast forward three or four years, and you're doing you know one a week. Um, and actually, it's the it's the right balance for your business where you've still got plenty of money to reinvest and all of those things. But what you very quickly discover is that it actually costs you nothing if you get the balance right. <laughs> so, so like for example, when you know, when you're packaging in uh, something like that, a buy one, give one to, to a product, people become, you know, when they hear about it, they become, uh, and the, the real trick to it is not to tell them in advance, it's to tell them after. So, you know, you, you sign the person up to the consulting package um, and then six months later, you've delivered the work and you say, by the way, um, as every part of our consulting packages that we offer, we actually put a child through a year of schooling so I just wanted to give you a little certificate. Thank you so much for helping us to do that. And, you know, it leaves the relationship on such a high note. It, like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's such an amazing way to finish up a project. And then, um, 
and then sure enough they you know they talk and they tell people and 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 they say oh you've got to work with this company and you know the the brand is stronger so you know if you were to really quantify that the brand would be stronger probably by let's say three or four or five percent uh, which means um you know people are less price sensitive and they buy a little bit faster and guess what uh, it's cost you nothing because it's actually helped you to speed the business up um uh, and you know it's uh, it's everyone's a winner yeah and you know it's interesting because you know i like you you know i've got i've embedded b1g1 across all different aspects of my business and um and I also in, in do things like include, I run fundraising events as part, you know, as part of my um, marketing and sales funnels. Um, yep. And yet just hearing you listen, you know, just listening to what you're, you're saying there, the, what, the thought that came to mind was that actually the charitable giving in some ways is part of, it's, it's almost part of or instead of some of the marketing cost because yeah, of that, that, that connection. Um, between the brand and especially when we're running micro businesses where what we do personally and it's so wrapped up with the business brand too you can't you almost can't separate them yeah and it's also part of uh you know your culture that you're building in your team um you know this is this is one thing you know when you when you turn to your you know your team of people now if you're a good little business let's say you're a small business with 10 people on the team you know what happens is you hit a point pretty quickly where you know, people can choose once they've been trained up in your um, organization, they can probably be headhunted and choose to go off and work in someone else's company um, who's, who's paying them slightly more money. Um, and, you know, one of the things is that that costs your business an enormous amount of money. So uh, if you have a high staff turnover, let's say people leave every 18 months or two years, um, you know, then essentially the cost of rehiring is about 20% of the, the, the year's wage and about the cost of retraining is can be as much as six months worth of the wage. So it's actually costing you a fortune to have those um, people, you know, coming and going. Whereas if you've got an organization that where people, you know, feel, wow, this organization really gets stuff done in the world and they're the type of organization that I really want to be part of. Let's say that changes things from two years to three years. Um, you know, that's an enormous shift in the value of your culture. Um, you know, the, the, the culture asset that you therefore have uh, is, is worth tangible money to your business. So, you know, this is, there's, there's just so many ways I could, I could encourage business owners to get behind this as an idea that are just beyond purely and simply wanting to do good in the world. Yeah, which is definitely. also which is also good, which is also fine as its own as its own reason. Of course, that's what we all want to do. Um, most people most people say, when I've made a lot of money, then I'll give some away. And the the the, the flip on this is actually you'll make a lot of money by giving some away now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, I've I've really enjoyed our conversation here, Daniel. But um, we we are beginning to run out of time. So, I wondered if there was one just one last tip that you'd like to share with our listeners. What would it be? So I've interviewed thousands, like literally thousands and thousands of business owners. And we've, uh, you know, we've worked with thousands and thousands of business owners in our accelerator programs. And um, the one thing that is common to every single person uh, that I've worked with is that they become too close to their own story and too close to their own business. And we describe this as the mountain of value challenge. And the mountain of value is that when you're standing on top of a mountain, 
you can see everything except for the mountain that you're on. Um, you lose perspective of the mountain that you're on. So in fact, standing on top of a mountain, you can you know, see the entire horizon, the landscape, everything going on. You just can't see this mountain that you're standing on. So, um, so that loss of perspective is the, is the biggest killer of value in, in most businesses. So the one thing I would say is that for anyone listening, the key idea is that you are already standing on a mountain of value. You're, you already have case studies, stories, insights, methodologies, content. Um, you've got a book in you. You've got, you know, the elements of a great brand that could scale or right under your nose. Everything's right under your nose. Stop looking at, you know, the, the latest fad. Stop looking at the, um, you know, the other people's businesses. Stop looking at what other people have built so much and start really digging deep for the value that's right there, right under your nose. Because after working with thousands of businesses, every time we go looking, we always find gold. That's brilliant. And that just makes me think of the message, you know, that you're already good enough. Yeah, yeah. you just good enough. You've, you've just lost perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. And what's the best way for people to find out about, you know, your books, your programs, your events, etc. I know we will have a show page that people that we will list um, all the information that you share here. But just for anybody that doesn't go to that show page, where's the best place for them to go and check you out? Uh, well, all my books are on Amazon. So if you search Daniel Priestley, you'll see my author page and there's, uh, there's four or five books there that I've written, um, four and a half books that I've written. Uh, that um, that are on my author page, and they all they all form the basis of the accelerated entrepreneur journey series. Um, uh, you can go to dent.global, which is our uh, company website. You can go to keypersonofinfluence.com, which is our um, blog that's got lots of contributors who are writing for it. We must actually get you to write for the blog, by the way. Um, Thank you. And uh, yeah, submit us some stuff, and we'd we'd love to have you as a contributor. Oh, um, Thank you. The uh, yeah, so people can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Um, so at Daniel Priestley on both of those. So yeah, that's that's some of the best ways to connect. Fantastic, and as I say, we'll make sure we get all those links that um, for the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Daniel. I really, really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. Um, I know I'm taking gosh, still so much away from it. Um, particularly, I suppose there was something you said earlier on in the show around success of business depends on success of society and I think that's mm. lovely and then there was also the other one around speaking things into I can't remember the last word reality speak it so yeah speak things into existence into existence that was it um but you know just brilliant but so so many little nuggets there and I'm sure our listeners will have enjoyed the conversation too so thank you for being here and thanks to everybody tuning in to this episode remember to check out giftoprofit.com or alison.com for the full show notes plus details of how to connect with Daniel and myself and if you'd like to learn how to raise funds for charity or social cause through your business in a way that's ethical easy and complies with cause marketing legislation remember to check out the give profit fundraising challenge it's an online challenge you can join any time with a mix of online training lessons and online forum and support with me from me during live Q&A calls so you can go to the show notes at alison.com to find out more and actually by the time you listen to this the give to profit community will also be live and that fundraising challenge will be part of that too so until next time remember business is a great opportunity to be kind and what you do next matters
Thanks for tuning in to the Give to Profit podcast. You can find full show notes for today's show at givetoprofit.com. This is where you can also check out the Give to Profit membership community, a special place where you can connect with Alison and other like-minded business owners and entrepreneurs and learn how to turn your business into a profitable force for good in ways that are joyful, effective and legal. It's also the place where you can find out about our future events, including the Give to Profit Business for Good conference in April 2019. And if you don't already have a copy of Alison's best-selling book, Give to Profit, How to Grow Your Business by Supporting Charities and Social Causes, you can get a copy of it on Amazon around the world.